The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Answers long misunderstood. Tonight's discussion unearths an impressive amount of evidence of previously unrecognized technological advancements of the ancient past. Evidence based on myths and legends of the Middle East and confirmed through modern technology sources, such as astrophysical evidence, geological substantiation, and countless mainstream science documents. Our guest presents a completely believable case for the astrological analysis of legends and science that are worth further investigation. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy, MMS, CBD pure hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. Howard West is an author who has written for magazines under the pen name West Spalding, such as Rock and Gem, Western Horseman, Nevada, Golf Journal, Four Wheeler, and other publications, some of which have been troubling to NASA and the Department of Energy. However, his research into ancient linguistic origins has unearthed an impressive amount of evidence of previously unrecognized technology of the ancient past. Technologies that were trade secrets, secrets so important that rulers were killed and erased from history to keep those trade secrets away from their enemies and the common folk. Innovations hidden in myths and legends of the Middle East. Technological advancements that have been confirmed through modern engineering use of the same innovations along with astrophysical evidence provided by NASA. Substantiation is also provided by science journals such as Nature and countless mainstream scientific documents. The title of the book is Locked Gates, The Riddle Lord's Secrets. And around the town of Tonopah, Nevada, very close to Area 51, I'd like to welcome Howard West to Veritas. Hello, Howard, and welcome. How are you? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. I appreciate your time and energy today. (laughs) We don't need to tell the audience, but we have gone through a lot today to get this done, so I'm glad that we finally converged. But Howard, let's begin with another Howard, Howard Carter, because I like to go in chronological order. Oh, but first of all, besides of what I read about your bio, how how did you get interested into all of this Egypt and uncovering the technologies that were used? And the fact that even today, a lot of technologies are being hidden from the public and the elite probably have them behind the scenes sequestered somewhere. Let's begin with that. Well, the technology has always been hidden. Uh, In fact, the gatekeepers of knowledge of the past love to keep their secrets from the common folks and the barbarians. They usually use what was called similes or parables. Uh, For an example, uh, if you have a 
Chevy Corvette or a Chevy Vet, it's connected to the uh, the the um, type of fish that the vet used to look like. And then you've got other things like the uh, the Dodge Ram, the Ford Mustang, the Mercury Comet. So what the ancients would do is they would use a simile, meaning it's almost like. Did you did you pause or did I lose you? Oh, I was wondering if you wanted to uh, have any input on that particular subject. No, 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 no. I just, just thought I didn't want to interrupt you, but you're absolutely right. So what they do, as you say, it's a it's a facsimile. Something similar that is not the original, almost like a uh, digital copy of the technology. Is that what you're implying? No, it's actually like if I said you ran like a cat, would that mean that you were on all fours or that you were very speedy? So uh -huh. what they would use the word uh, uh, a item that looked like what the item was doing. For an example, uh, there was an ancient way of transporting stone. And what they would do is they would put it on a barge. That barge would have segmented stones. So if you look down from the top, you would see these segmented pieces. Then they would put a uh, push boat behind the, uh, the barge and another boat or a tow boat in front of it. As it would move down the river, the legs, which were the oars, would be sweeping back and forth. And if you look down from the edge of the valley, it would liken itself unto a crocodile. So what we see on pictures that depict a real crocodile where they're on top of it is not a, 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 an actual crocodile. They're depicting something else and the representation is of that, that of a crocodile, but not a real crocodile? It's not a real crocodile but it has similarities to a crocodile. For an example, a crocodile has little squares on the top of its back, and then it has legs that are on the front that it uses for swimming, and then it has legs in the back that uses for swimming. So when they saw that barge and the boats pulling and pushing it from the edge of the river, they said, that looks like a crocodile. So then from that point on, when they tried to get people not to understand what they were talking about, they would liken it unto the crocodile. What about the statues of what seemed to be almost like a, a dog or a reptilian being? Or I remember my conversation with Zachariah Sitchin when I asked him, what would the not ancient ones, but say 200, 300 years ago, if somebody saw a rocket, he would say, well, they probably would say that it's a large pencil. So they use things that they're familiar with in order to convey knowledge. That's it. But they didn't want the common folk to understand it. So they would use these similes and riddles to be able to transmit that knowledge to the people that have the key to that knowledge. And then the common folk and the barbarians would see something entirely different. And that way they could keep that message out there for their acolytes. But the rest of the people would only see the crocodile rather than the barge that was hauling the stones 
down the river. And they would use many other types of similes to confuse and irritate the common folk and the riddle keeper's enemies. Do you think this is a thought from the left field? And I wonder if it correlates with the advent of the Renaissance. Do you think the Gutenberg press became a threat to the establishment, or did it assist them in maybe spreading misinformation and disinformation? Well, the thing is, when you have a hard copy that can't be changed, that knowledge can be reproduced and reproduced and reproduced. But when you have an idea, that has to be transmitted through knowledge or through wisdom rather than saying, this is what it says because we've got a thousand copies of this book that says it, rather than saying, okay, but that's actually something entirely different when you are trying to keep knowledge away from people. When you have the Gutenberg Bible or the Gutenberg Press, it allowed people to have the same knowledge, but it didn't allow people to have I guess you could say inspiration of what was in the internal pieces of that book. For an example, the Hebrew, each individual letter has a meaning, whereas in the English language, we put letters together to get a meaning where they put symbols together to get a word rather than letters and phonetically together. I'm thinking of the cuneiform tablets for a moment here. As you said, if it's in stone, obviously that was the original intended to convey a message. But how do we really know? We have all these so-called translators of ancient you know, cuneiform tablets or ancient lost languages. How do we really know if it's really lost language that what they're telling us is the truth? Well, one of the things with the cuneiform... Uh, you have a certain amount of interpretive writing where you can go out and make it look fancier than what it actually is. If you go to the, the cuneiform, it was actually connected to a communication system. And what the cuneiform is built on are little, well, almost like arrows with reverse arrowheads. And it also has tiny um, triangles. Those triangles can be reduced back down to the same thing as the Morse code dot, dash, and long dash. By utilizing the dots, dashes, and long dashes, they were able to use a golden mirror. Now, mirrors today, basically, they're basically silverback glass. In the past, just 150 years ago, they utilized a completely different process. What they would do is they would take a copper plate, coat it with mercury, and then that would be turned into a mirror. That process is thousands of years old. And because of that mirror's reflectability, they could use those dots and dashes of the cuneiform and actually transmit those dots and dashes as far as the eye can see. So they would be able to use that 
as a communication system. And communications is the heart of civilization. If you cannot communicate to the town nearest to you, and it takes you three days to walk there and three days to get back, things get real difficult. But when you can use, for an example, the cuneiform, you can go with that dot dash long dash program and create a communication system which will allow you to go ahead and ask the question and instantly be able to have that answer repeated back to you. So let's say you didn't have enough wheat to feed your family, but if you had one of these cuneiform uh, uh, alphabets, you could use the dot dash program and be able to go out and send a message to the next village who could send it to the next village who could send it to the next village who had extra weight, wheat. And that same day, that wheat would be on its way to you. It's like what we have with our cell phones now. We can get what we want from Amazon the next day. That golden mirror or mercury clad mirrors and that cuneiform system of dots and dashes with enabled society or civilization to outrun a famine. I wanted to leave this conversation for later because I wanted to go in chronological order, but let's talk about the onk. The, or ankh. How do you pronounce it, onk? On, onks. Onks. Yes. Okay. I always, this is one of those questions that I've had for almost every interview that I've done about Egypt and Egyptology is the Ankh and, and, and other aspects of, of uh, Egypt. I mean, the, the, what seems to be the, the Abydos, the helicopter, the plane, but Ankh. A lot of people have different opinions of what the Ankh is for, but you have a very, very peculiar uh, answer to the research. What do you think the Ankh was for? Well, getting back to the golden mirror, the thing is, is if you have a mirror, you can trans, you can redirect sun, the sun and its heat. Now, a lot of the unks would have, they were clear, you could see right through them. Now, if you look at the common mirror that you have today, There are certain times and certain places, magicians are much better at this than I am, they can put that mirror in a location and it looks transparent because it's reflecting back the same thing that's behind the, the mirror. In, in other words, if you have a gray wall on one side and a gray wall on the other side and you have a mirror in between and that mirror is reflecting back the wall, it would look as though that mirror that's in the center of that onks would be transparent. So in many cases, you'll find that the, uh, the pharaohs and their wives and the ruling class would have one of these in their hands. And they would have their hands through what would have been a mirror. But in everyday use, when it was used as a part of a technology, that mirror would be golden. Now, if you go to a lot of the NASA sites, you'll find that they use gold as a heat reflector because gold is the best reflector of sunshine that there is. Now, the nice thing about gold is that it can be pounded incredibly thin. When I say incredibly, I mean 
that if you pound it long enough, it spreads out over 10 feet square, and you can actually see through the gold. You can pound it that thin. So a small amount of gold could cover a large amount of mirrors, and a lot of sunshine could be reflected back. That was the power that uh, we're going to talk about in just a few seconds. Uh, is that the question you wanted answered? Yes, yes, yes. And I'm just thinking that we we look at a mirror these days and wouldn't think that much about it, but we didn't have mirrors for a very long time in the past. So if it's gold, powdered gold, and I believe that maybe they use some kind of mercury around it as well, and as you probably know, they have found pools of mercury underground in the Pyramid of the Sun in Mexico. Could this yeah. be also happening in Egypt? And if so, what do you think the purpose of these lakes or, or you know, large, large preponderance of the mercury is? Well, throughout the world, mercury was used as a reflective surface, and it was used for communications. One of the things in the Mexican pyramid areas, at the time that they were built, they were built to be high enough to be able to see to the next mountain or the next uh, uh, Mexican pyramid. They had, in a lot of cases, they had what they had called the sun disk. The sun disk actually has a circle, and then it has wings on the outside of it. You have it in the Mexican um, uh, temples. You have it in the Egyptian temples. You have it in the uh, 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 Indian temples. You have it in Baghdad. You have it all over the world. Now, what those mirrors were in the center of those wings were a communication system. Again, back to that communication system. Even in Mexico, they knew that if you were flashing a light, a lot of people would be able to see it. So what they did is they used wings to damper the visibility of that light. Now, if you go to any movie studio and you look up into the, the rafters of a movie studio or a uh, theater where they do live performances, they have the lights, but then they have what they call barn doors. Those barn doors allow the light to be dampered to just the right location. So when we talk about Oh, for an example, uh, Pegasus. Pegasus was a winged horse. But even though Pegasus was a winged horse, Pegasus didn't fly. The word Pegasus comes from the Greek, and it basically means peg, the strategy. And the word for the, in Greek, for those years, was as. So the name Pegasus would be pronounced Peg app. And what that did, it allowed the men to go out and put this sun disc in the, on the saddle of the horse, and then the wings would go down along the flanks of the horse, and then they would take that horse up a zigzag trail to the top of a mountain, take that off, and then be able to look down in the valley floor if a war was going on, and they 
Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.